You're listening to a CNA podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Money Talks podcast. I'm Elizabeth Neo, sitting in for Andrea today. Well, setting yourself up for financial comfort is rarely a stroke of luck. At the very least, it involves knowing where your income comes from, what you're spending on, and figuring out how much you need to meet your life goals and retirement, which honestly can be a lot to manage. Throw in the need to invest to make your money work harder and smarter. It's no wonder many leave the task of financial planning to a trusted planner, who is probably a friend new to the financial planning sector or a friend's recommendation. For a relationship that can last decades, should we be putting more thought into choosing the right planner? And what should you do when things just don't work out? Well, to help us work through some of these questions, we have Luke Yap, a financial planner with Great Eastern. Welcome to Money Talks, Luke. Thank you for having me here. Well, look, with so much information out there today, financial planning tools, robo-advisors, do we really need a financial planner? Well, in my experience, a financial planner helps to tailor something that's customizable for your situation. They will understand your needs. They will understand what is your goals that you have in the short term, medium term and long term. So they can tailor something that's suited for you. But on the other hand, if you were to do products or investments with a robo-advisor, it would be more of a general suite of products that's recommended instead. But robo-advisors too can become very sophisticated and sort of do the job. Like when you say tailor the products and offerings to your client, so can a robo-advisor. But what is the difference? I assume things like if I have an accident, I can call my financial planner for help at any time of the day. Yes, having a dedicated financial planner gives you easier access to information as long as they're responsive. Whereas if you were to use the services of a robo-advisor, you may be going through customer service, right? You know, imagine if you are calling the hotline, they say, please press 9 for this, please press 8 for that, and then you are on hold for a few minutes. Such things can be frustrating. Whereas with a dedicated financial planner, sometimes it's just a lot more convenient to get what you need. And which brings us to this key question, how to pick a financial planner? What are some of the things one should consider? I know many people who pick a financial planner because they want to help out a friend or they think that they know this person very well. And so they trust this person. Should you trust your friends with your finances? Oh, that is a very tricky question, right? When friends approach you to ask for support, do you immediately give them your support or do you want to find out a bit more on their expertise, or on their knowledge? So the key word here really is trust, right? Do you trust their intentions? Do you trust their integrity? Do you trust their responsiveness after the sale is made, you know, after service uh, claims or, or investment updates? So for me, really, it is a gut feel, right? Uh, both quantitative and qualitative, right? You, you may want to see, have they upgraded themselves through courses uh, such as the Certified Financial Planner or the Chartered Financial Consulting route. And this will give them a bit more credibility when it comes to planning for your finances. So these are things that you should ask yourself or rather look at whether they are constantly upskilling themselves and keeping up to date the latest certifications in order to provide you that service. For you, Luke, are any of your clients, your friends or any of your family have turned to you and be like, hey, I think I want you to be my financial planner. And do you feel more responsibility? Obviously, every client is important, but is it more stressful for you? 
Well, I would say for me, it's a mixture. When, when I first started out, I did have a group of friends that supported me. And from there, when I showed what I was capable of, they referred me to their loved ones and other friends as well. My family also tried to support me. They gave whatever they could. But I, I tried not to push any service or products that were not necessary for them, right? I did not want them to just support me out of blind love, but it had to benefit them, had to value add to them as well. Do I feel responsible for my friends and family and my clients? Definitely, right? Because they trust you with their heart and money, right? Be it through insurance planning or investment planning. And you want to always make sure that you give them the best value service that you can provide. Look, there are insurance agents who offer financial planning services or sell investment-linked products. And then there are financial planners who offer insurance products. And then there's also financial advisors. So are these all just the same thing or are there differences? Help me break it down for someone who, say, is looking to plan out their finances and has no clue what to do, what to expect. A lot of these are terminologies, right? So from my knowledge, the term financial advisor is meant to be for the company, Great Eastern Financial Advisors. I don't think I'm actually allowed to call myself a financial advisor, but the correct term would be financial planner, right? So we are financial representatives or financial planners. Insurance agent seems to be a very old terminology, the days where people in this line were just selling insurance without touching on the wealth accumulation products or collective investment schemes. But in this day and age, most people that come into this industry, uh, they will take the necessary qualification and papers to be a financial planner instead. So as a financial planner yourself, are you able to offer investment-linked products and insurance products? Yes, I'm able to offer investment-linked products, insurance products, and collective investment schemes. Mm, so in a sense, you're like a all-in-one... There are still services that with regards to someone's finances that is not really compulsory to be taken as a financial planner, such as writing wills, uh, doing mm. up trust for your clients. But definitely, we can improve our repertoire of services by taking up such licenses, or we can refer them to professionals who are more competent in these areas. What sort of services do financial planners not deal with? We are not allowed to pick individual stocks for clients. We can recommend funds or ETF, unit trust or exchange traded funds, but not individual stocks. Mm. Well, you know, you obviously you would have to have extensive knowledge on the products that you deal with. So then what makes a good financial planner, you think? Well, it's a very interesting question. You know, every time after an appointment or catch up with my clients and friends, I always ask them, what made them choose me? And these three keywords uh, always seem to come out. Uh, responsiveness. They want to make sure that I respond to their queries as quickly as possible. Even if I do not know the answer, at least I let them know that I am working on, on finding out the correct answer for them. Besides responsiveness would be integrity. I think it's very important that uh, you're transparent with what you're doing and what you're explaining to your clients, acting their best interests. And of course, knowledge. The financial landscape is evolving so quickly nowadays. You always have to keep upskilling yourself to make sure that you know what are the best products and tools out there to help your clients with their financial planning journey. Mm. So how do you think we should audition or interview a financial planner? What are some questions that we should be asking Besides asking questions on what are their qualifications or their track record, you could ask if they have written testimonials on websites such as LinkedIn to see what their clients say about them. 
right? So when you are shopping for online items, right, through those apps or stores, you read the reviews on the items before purchasing them. In this case, you are purchasing the service and expertise of the financial planner. So reading client testimonials could come a long way in helping you decide whether this is a best fit for you, mm. right? And of course, in layman terms, do you vibe with, with this financial planner after the first meetup? checking in your vibes. This is also maybe a little bit hard for someone who is thinking of getting their friend to be their financial planner. You have to do this audition and consider the qualifications of their friend. How do you ask these things to a financial planner who is also your friend without the risk of affecting your relationship or putting the expertise into question, which obviously can be very insulting for someone? Hmm. I think you do have to separate work and friendship Right. So as a financial planner, if I approach my friends, I'll also tell them I'm doing it on a professional basis and I do not want them saying no to affect our friendship in any way. If I can provide a value service to you, let's see if we can do something together. But if not, I don't think we should let it affect the relationship and friendship that we have. Mm. And uh, what are the fees involved with having a financial planner? In Singapore, the bulk of the fees would be commission-based there is a very small group of financial planners or financial advisory firms that use fee-based models, but it has not really taken off in popularity in Singapore yet. Right, so it's a commission-based... Commission-based and assets under management for collective investment schemes. Mm. What is the scope of a financial planner? For example, if I want to buy T-bills, Singapore security bonds, financial planner doesn't get a commission, so are they unlikely to give you good advice? Or should a good planner <laughs> give you advice on products that don't give them commission as well? Well, yes, it's a tricky question, right? Because we are expected to be knowledgeable about all things financial-related. We don't earn a commission by recommending products outside right? what we can do, like T-bills, right? government bonds. And sometimes you also do not want to get into compliance trouble by recommending products that you're not able to, to sell or advise on. Mm. But what if someone just says like, I just need some informal, like just roughly what do you think, right? And you also want to build that trust, right? And when you give good advice, they're like, okay, this guy really helped me even though he had nothing to gain from this. It could play to your advantage as a financial planner. For sure. You know, sometimes it does help to build trust because you're recommending something that you don't earn from and they feel like, hey, you know, this financial planner is recommending me to do something that does not benefit him financially and, and a bigger trust is built. In my perspective, I would tell them informally what are the different tools they can consider outside what I can offer and how it can fit into their overall financial planning objective. There was a time in the middle of last year when it seemed that the China we're familiar with was a completely different place. When the rest of the world moved on from the COVID-19 pandemic, as many as 300 million Chinese people were under some form of a mandatory lockdown. There were only two things on my mind, to find food and to not go crazy. Then suddenly, the people decided to take things into their own hands. For the first time in more than 30 years, protests swept through China. And just like that, zero COVID ended. Join me, we do, for a look back at the extraordinary year in China and hear how it might have changed the country for good. 
Catch Red Wall Inside China's Zero COVID World, a two-part podcast series by CNA. It's available now on the CNA and Me Listen apps, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Since financial planners are affiliated to financial organizations, then of course the incentive is to sell products from their company. How can we be sure that the products or the advice is best for us? And you know, how do we know the true intention of the planner? It boils down to the keyword of trust again. Whether you trust your financial planner's expertise in giving the best advice they can. When it comes to products, they are quite homogeneous across the different insurance or financial advisory companies. They will always be trying to one up each other every year. So instead of chasing the best financial product, maybe you want to chase the best financial advice that you can get from your financial planner, and things will work out in the end. I can build a very convincing case, and I can be like, you know, just just do this. Trust me, I'm your friend. I would never do anything that is detrimental to you in your life and your finances. But are there some concrete ways that we can look at or use to evaluate these products? Are really what we need? It is very easy to Google reviews on financial products nowadays online. So that could be a first step, you know, into researching if the features of such products suit your needs. And you know, if you need a more in-depth explanation, you can continue to converse with your financial planner, ask them questions on the products, and to see what their response are, and to see whether it suits your current situation, your financial goals in the short, medium, and long term. So here's a tough one for you, Luke. Let's say I feel that things are not working out. Maybe I don't like the style of communication, or I don't feel that my planner is working hard enough to grow my money. How do I break up with my financial planner? Wow, breaking up is such a sensitive topic. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> oh, it actually is you. I understand. Well, th- there could be many reasons for a breakup, right? Among those that you listed above, it could be. Maybe they're not responsive in claims. They have made losses in the investments that you have done up with together with them. Could be maybe just your good friend or your sibling joined the industry and you want to support them instead. What I would recommend is to definitely be open and transparent with your financial planner, right? To let them know the reasons on why you would like to change your servicing representative, and you know have an honest conversation to see maybe if there's any way they could improve. Themselves, maybe give them a second chance if needed. But of course, if situation has gone way beyond the recovery point, then it's also good to have a clean break. Just to inform them that hi, I'm not happy with your services anymore. I would like to do a change of servicing rep. When it comes to changing your financial planner, would it be detrimental for your portfolio, mm. like in the short term? Good question. So it, it depends on whether you change your representative in the same company, right? For example, if I'm in Great Eastern. And my client changes to another Great Eastern rep. It will not be detrimental in the sense where you need to cancel your policies to purchase new ones, right? It will just be a change of the representative servicing your policies. But if you were to change company, for example, it could be detrimental because the new financial planner from another company could ask you to cancel your existing insurance or investment policies, which could lead to early termination losses, right? And ask you to purchase a new one, which will not be beneficial to you. Mm. So it would be less detrimental if you were changing your planner, but within the same organization、mm. versus moving entirely to a different organization. Yes, but these are losses that you would incur in the short term, right? I mean, if you have a financial planner who's able to then quickly grow your finances, losses in the short term are guaranteed. 
but profits in the long term never are. <laughs> All right. And of course, besides investment products, when it comes to terminating an insurance product and purchasing a new one, the premiums will probably be higher due to your age or you may not even be able to get the same kind of acceptance in your insurance policies due to new health conditions that may have occurred in the last few years, right? Pre-existing conditions that could cause exclusions in the new policies or loading on the premiums. So if I have policies or products that I bought under one advisor, then it won't be so easy to transfer these policies, right? I mean, you're kind of locked in. Within the same company, it is actually relatively easy. Okay. Yeah. But if we're changing companies, then this would definitely be more complicated. There'd be things like early termination fees that you have to consider. Yeah, so if you are changing your financial planner to another company, if they do have your best interest in heart, they realise that the existing products that you have do serve you well. They should not touch them or terminate them. They could value add with new products or investments, assuming your cash flow and your budget allows for it. Well, we talk quite a bit about what you as a financial planner have to offer and how you should service your clients. But let's talk about the clients. What are some bad habits of clients that make it hard for financial planners to do their jobs? <laughs> I think what comes to mind could be the same thing, responsiveness. Right, Some clients may not be responsive in texting you back right, if you have arranged a meetup, especially if it's a new prospect. Maybe they won't tell you that they're available until the very last minute and it's a nice you to shift your schedule around. But when it comes to the financial planning itself, maybe they're not transparent with all their cash flow or their financial assets, which makes comprehensive financial planning report much harder right? because you have missing pieces, missing parts of the jigsaw puzzle and you're not able to complete it. Yeah, from this conversation, really what I'm getting is that this is almost like a marriage. Trust, communication, transparency. What is your final advice there for having a good relationship with your financial advisor? It will be open communication, right? To be transparent with each other, with what you can offer as a financial planner and as a client, what you are able to do with your cash flow and budget and what you're able to afford at that current point in time. Well, there you have it. Finding a good financial planner who understands your needs and helps you work towards your goals is akin to finding a good life partner. Having open communication and being clear on your objectives is key. Well, we hope you picked up some tips on finding the right one and if things don't work out, how to break up nicely with your financial planner. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Luke. Thank you so much for having me in this. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Money Talks, there's more content for you to get into. Hop on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us there for the latest updates and leave us a review of five stars while you're there. Now, the team behind Money Talks is Joanne Chan, Jacqueline Chan, Crispina Roberts, Saya Wynn and me, Liz Neo. 